quote of the quarantine from Justin Strauss, New York is weird as it's ever been. Yeah? Weird as it's ever been, same as it never was. That's that's about it, you know. uh, We're in some, uh, some new shit. Definitely. You've seen, I mean, you've seen it all, but you haven't seen this. Yeah, I thought I saw it all. I thought, you know, 9-11, that was horrible. The worst thing I thought I'd have to deal with in this town. Hurricane Sandy was pretty ugly. This is uh, taking it to a new level of uh, of something. So, yeah, I mean, we're all going through it. I'm not, you know, obviously it's, it's something we're all dealing with in our own ways. And, um, right. Everyone has, you know, it's, it's, no one's not affected by this. I don't care, you know, if you're in Mexico or in, you know, the heart of it here in New York, it's, you know, it is what it's here and we're, you know, it's affecting me for sure. I mean, what I do and what I, everything's changed. So. Yeah. I mean, for someone who like, I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but have you ever like not been DJing? Like since you were 17, did you ever take a break? <laughs> I didn't start DJing at 17. I was in like, milk oh, you're in milk and cookies. Okay. Uh, uh, 20, I started, uh, 21. Yeah. 20, 20, 21. Um, yeah, I took a break when my kids were growing up. I didn't do it as much. I found other things to do in music You know, I was remixing a lot. I was in the studio. I had a, later on set up a home studio so I was able to work and work with artists but um this is you know but if I wanted to DJ I could (laughs) right (laughs) now if I wanted to DJ I can't so except for like live streams live streams making recordings for various outlets which I've been doing and that's 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 good yeah it's it's a form of you know of expressing the mood. I mm-hmm. kind of use those. I always like mixtapes. I, I treat them as mixtapes. And that's right. something I've always done since I was a kid. Um, my dad was into audio equipment. So we had tape recorders and things at a very cool. young age. And I would just start it off like interviewing my brother and sister, my parents, my grandparents, and then figured out how to put music on it. Yeah, And then I is that to sort of have a little audio diary or love letters to girlfriends or you know what you do at mixtapes so it's it's kind of an extension of that you know my mood at the moment which has been good to get that out and I've been also getting a ton of music and new music and so rather than sitting on it and waiting for the day when I can at least it's it's getting out there and i feel like i'm playing you know doing my job even though i'm not getting paid for it but <laughs> have you found that people with, are productive creatively in this in this I period mean, I mean, for me i mean that's like oh yeah we're gonna do this and we're gonna create we're gonna do everything we didn't have time to do but you know what some days you just don't feel it and you're uh-huh. just not you know it's depressing and like especially when it first hit and yeah. like I didn't feel like getting out of bed to be frankly honest. I was right. like, I just 
all the covers over my head and like I didn't I mean I've been working nonstop for I don't know how you know basically most of my life yeah and then all of a sudden so it's like, like nowhere to go like, okay I don't I don't have to get up do be in the studio today I don't have to be in an airport I don't I mean now I miss it all <laughs> I don't like to fly and then and but You've I miss flying your whole life yeah <laughs> Right. You know, so it's like, it changes how you, you know, obviously we all say, you know, we took for granted this or took for granted that. I never really took it for granted. I was like, I'm, I yeah, always, I, every, I always, I'm not one of those people. Like, I don't think I took it for granted either. Like I was, you know, I, I don't relate a lot of things that a lot of people are like waking up to. I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of like, I've been building life around those things for a while. Like with love and respect, like that wasn't, you know, I, I feel like super prepared for this moment. Like the way, you know, I've been, so a lot of people think I'm like nuts. Like you and I have been texting a little bit here and there, but like, I've been in this one place for a long time now, since the beginning of March. And I was in New York for about a week before that. And then I was in Mexico again before that too. So I've basically been in Mexico pretty much by myself for, I don't know you know, three months straight, but arguably a little bit before that too. Um, and I'm not afraid of it. I have, you know, this has actually been like an added, a new texture for my days doing, doing these recordings is, is really fun. But, you know, even before I had that, like just going inside is awesome to me, like inside myself and, you know, really like taking a full day with a book, like an actual full day uninterrupted. And I, I love that deep dive and, and writing and making music. And I've found, uh, you know, remote production is actually totally cool. Like that, it works fine with, with what we, the technology that we have today. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the technology makes this more bearable and I don't know what we would do without it, but, um, that would be scary if yeah. we couldn't do this, you know, I take, you know, I feel like every day that I get to do my job is like I'm the luckiest person in the world. I do what I love and I've been doing it for a long time. And DJing no is complaint. awesome. It's the best job in the world. It's I mean, so cool. People can complain about the traveling or the this and that. It's like, shut up. You know, it's like you are so lucky. And like, so, yeah, I, I never take anything I've done for granted. I, I appreciate it. And I, I kind of appreciate it more mm -hmm. when you're when you can't do it but i if it stopped right now and i never did it again i i could look back and say i've i've done wrong. it <laughs> now when i've left something i feel like i've left a lot of work out there that to be sure. discovered a huge body of work whatever and i and i think that's all any artist can really hope for for in you know it's like i'm still discovering you know stuff by other people that I love that have been left behind and so is everyone else. So I think that's, you know, for me is, is, is this is sort of a saving grace, you know, if I never made another record, if I never DJ DJed another gig, which would make me sad, but you will, and it won't happen, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's, I could sleep at night sort of. Yeah. <laughs> have so you been, communicating with you know you have obviously such a widespread dj community have you been like 
I don't know what the word would be, but like a sage or like a therapist at all, or like a mentor in just in this last, not obviously real, over time, real. but have you been sharing these feelings with people who are maybe less uh, positive than that's, you? That's been the nice thing about it is like people are actually calling each other and mm -hmm. they're FaceTiming and like, it's not just a text or a, a, you know, an Instagram, you know, message. It's people are reaching out and people are hurting and people are scared and you know i'm no you know i'm have no expertise in this because i've we've never dealt with it before yeah. but um you know we all share our feelings about it and that's mm. been helpful you know it's like we're not alone none of us are alone we're all like for the one i think in the one time that i've been around the whole world is feeling something the same like we're all on this boat and like we have to find the way to the other side. And uh, so, yeah, we're all talking to each other. You know, the one thing I really miss is like the traveling and seeing my friends all over the world because yeah. I've made so many friends, like anywhere I go, some weird remote place, there's somebody that I know or someone mm -hmm. that knows me. And that's been something I miss, you know. And I, you know, it's just, starting now starting to go out a bit meeting some friends socially distant safe you know spaces and what's that been like great and terrible because it's great to see them but there's still this fear mm -hmm. and you know of like getting there to see them and dealing with people where do you meet where have you been going usually in a park oh okay something in a bench or you know just like yeah, yeah. so we I mean, I haven't done a lot. I've done it with my, with my daughter Ella that lives here and yeah. with some friends last weekend. And that was really nice. And, but you know, you like worry when you get, was I too close? Was it this? Was it, you know, it's, it's <laughs> craziness. It's like, I mean, I feel like I, I've had it with no symptoms because I was in Paris right before, like the beginning of March and on planes, airports, clubs. So, I mean, I must've been exposed to it. I couldn't imagine that I hadn't. And I had, yes, you know, maybe, same. I know, was uh, all over. I was in New York for the first week of March and I was at, I like spent a week of, you know, opera, ballet, movies, Broadway theater, restaurants. Like that was, I had one week and I just packed in a bunch of culture for myself. And I mean, I was super exposed in that week. And then I flew to Mexico and now I've been here isolated for a while we just started socializing like a week and a half ago um but only the people who have everyone else has to has to stay quarantined which i think is really smart the last thing i did was i kind of went from paris on march 9th and the 11th was the studio 54 uh opening at the brooklyn museum of their oh, yeah. exhibit and they had asked me to dj and i was like first of all no one knew if the event would even happen and then it right. did and it was like should I do it? I mean, yeah, I was going to do it. And it was, to my surprise, like almost 2,000 people showed up. Oh, man. What what <laughs> day was that? What, what date of the March 11th? The next day, literally, every, was the order that everything shut. So, so I flew out on the 10th, coincidentally. <laughs> like, well, if I go out, I'll go out with a bang because, <laughs> you know, it was a great party. And, like, I felt sort of, conflicted about doing it but i ended up doing it and 
I try and stay, stay, you know, I just stayed in the DJ booth and had very little right. contact with people. But at that point, it was still fairly new and nobody really, you know, the next day, literally the museum shut, every museum shut, the whole city shut, the whole state shut. So, yeah, it's, it's been a crazy time. What do you think is going to come of this given? So I have in my head, uh, you, you are, I already knew this, but you all also actually like posted something a little while ago, like 1981, New York city, like that history of both the chaos, the violence and the art and how people came together. I actually, I wrote something last week for, for music business worldwide. And I talked about how like, you know, we have to collaborate, we have to like, stop trying to be relevant to the big corporate machine and like, start focusing on the essential and and really working together in mixed media. And I always I, I used the reference of like 1980, like early 1980s, New York City, where everyone worked together. I was thinking about like Betty Gordon's film variety, where you go through the story of that film of how all these like, like ragged people who like barely had they had no money but they all teamed up and everyone had a different skill set and made some beautiful stuff and and you lived through that era and it was occurring to me you know uh you know do you see a correlation do you see maybe whatever happens next maybe hearkening back to that era a little bit or or I don't, anything else um, the thing about it a little you know a year or two later from that was you know what i thought again was one of the worst things i'd ever lived through was the aids crisis which this mm -hmm. sort of harkens back to and i've actually fortunate well not fortunate i mean there's no i haven't really been personally affected by anyone that's passed away from this disease i know people who have gotten really sick and recovered yeah. and there's you know been music business people and and stuff who have you know legends that have passed away and yeah. amazing people but the AIDS crisis took away a lot more friends from me than this ever did like people that I would see all the time and good friends. I've seen you and, write beautiful dedications uh, yeah. to to a lot of them yeah and that really personally affected me how and my and the club world too you know because after that it was bleak like nobody wanted to go out and so it feels a lot like that. And, you know, I started DJing at the Mud Club in 1980, like either, I can't remember exactly, late 79 or very early 1980. And, you know, there was, it was a different, uh, there's no comparison. You can't compare the world today to that time. And, but we're all, and basically it's it was mostly the AIDS thing I think that really devastated club land nightlife and humanity and everything else is just kind of normal changes that happen in culture and things and with the advent of technology and things that just everything changed but I you know we we got through it somehow and I don't know that people, you know, people are living and, and people are thriving, you know, we're thriving with AIDS, you know, with HIV and, you know, maybe that's going to be, 
you know, a vaccine or whatever is going to, some cure that's going to make people feel safe to go out. Because there were times when like going to a club was scary because no one knew how you got AIDS when you right. first, when it first appeared. It was like, is it from this drink? That, you know, it was like. The STD so aspect wasn't part yeah. of it yet. Yeah, like it was called the gay disease, the gay cancer. Right. And like, it's just weird. So yeah, there was a fear. And that's the fear that's with us now. Like, will we feel safe going to a, to a club right now? And what do people, people do? What if, you know, gradually it got better, you know, because there was, it was identified. It was, there was some clear cut things that you could do to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, AIDS wasn't like floating around the air like coronavirus is. So in that respect, it, 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 but it was a bleak time and this is a bleak time and what's going to come of it I don't know people have asked me like when or when would you feel safe going into a club and DJ and yeah. frankly I don't have the answer right now I'd be lying. I don't have any idea about <laughs> clubs I um I don't even think it's worth speculating on um I do think that we can put concerted effort into you know into music into even film because you could do film in an isolated you know like I have a script that I want to do in a hotel, you know, and like the whole crew would, you know, the, the plan for it would be everyone. It's certainly not ready to do this yet, but like there is a situation where it could work. Uh, but music certainly like, I don't know. I think a lot about the music world and the, the DJ world specifically where this is the opportunity for a lot of, and I said this to, I was talking to Michael Weiss. I was talking to Ellie Escobar. I was talking to Scuba, Paul Rose this morning um about you know a lot of djs have made dj music have made club music for their whole lives and now is kind of an opportunity for a lot of that that scene to like you don't have to make beats for the club this week you can make anything that you feel like making and i think that's i hope i hope dance music artists producers are going to expand their repertoire a little bit in this period that would be exciting to me yeah i mean I've always, I started going back into the studio this week with my partner, Max Pask, who we do this Each Other project with, and we had a bunch of remixes. To I've finish. loved all the, the whole year's worth I, of releases, yeah. I mean, we, you know, did this record for Dewey with Soul Wax at their studio, and supposed to be going back there sometime soon, so I, for part two. So, yeah, there was a lot, a lot of plans to put on hold, but we got together in the studio like three times last week to finish up a remix. We have a couple cool. more. Um, you know, are now, you finding yourself making, you know, what you thought you'd be making, or is it changing? Well, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, these particular projects are more club focused, but I've always done all kinds of music and worked on so many different kinds of with so many different genres of, of music and when I do my DJ mixes they're not strictly dance you know clubs tunes I'm you know I, I have I hear things in my head that connect one way or another and it could be a Beatles song or it could be and I'll totally. put that in a mix with some you know acid track because it all oh, makes no, I mean, sense. you're like an example I, I would say for someone to look at for the eclectic tastes I was listening to like your kid Creole remix right before uh before we got on you know z records kind of stuff that goes all across the board of that era that we were referring to before but like i i yeah you i'm not worried about i i i think that there's a lot of other djs who could use 
expanded creative well, you, know, that's, you know that has to come from within or without i don't know I, you know i just i never thought i don't think about in those terms of like it has to be this or it has to be that it, it just oh, no. comes out and through all the influences that i've been exposed to from a very young age like probably like yourself because of your surroundings and your the way you grew up you know it was music was everywhere and mm -hmm. it was all kinds of music i went my parents took me to the opera and they took me to see the beatles when i was seven years old so i was lucky i grew up in, a, in that kind of environment and i was open to everything and i feel fortunate about that but yeah i mean if someone makes club music go ahead make the best club music you're gonna make yeah. <laughs> you know uh, people have said, well, well, I feel stupid releasing club music now. And it's like, nah. you know, it's like people still want to hear it and people yeah. still want, to, you know, even if it's just grooving in their apartment or, you know, we will get together again and it will all make sense again. Yes. And, but it's going to be a, 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 you know, we're not, we're, we're coming back to it as different people. Mm -hmm. We're coming back changed. I hope. And, you know, <laughs> not going to be business as whatever normal was because normal wasn't really great and I, you know it will probably fall right back into it after a while like everything like it's like oh yeah you know and, and but I hope we take away some something from this because it's I mean it would hard not to you know I don't know what you know we've all been out and seen people who are you know, treating this like, you know, spring break, like going, and that's, you know, that was disturbing. Yeah, that's but, um, <laughs> um, You know, it's one thing if you're alone in Mexico at a beach, okay, fine, but. Oh, know, I'm super in, isolated. <laughs> you're in I haven't touched another human being for a long time. That's another thing. Like if you're in McCarran Park with a bunch of people and, you know, like, and you're not taking care and like, yeah that's that's just you know that's just sad and you know there's also that element of like human contact like being scared of people like yeah. I, I cross the, the street when i see you know people coming towards me i just get out of the way i just don't want to be around them and that's like wow it's kind of like you know it's a horrible feeling to, you're just like scared of people and scared of intimacy and like you know, when you go to a store, there's plastic between you and, which is a good thing. Yeah. You know, but it, it's safe, but it's, it's weird. A, it's an alien. It's an alien. It's alien to be so isolated for me, you know, especially since my job is mostly being around a whole mess of people. Yeah. <laughs> the better the mess, the better. You know, the bigger like, the mess, the better. <laughs> just, you know, on a personal level, being in contact with friends or, or you know, you know, romance, like, how's all that gonna, yeah. you know, I guess the levels of how, how safe we feel will determine that. And, you know, certainly our government isn't doing too much no. to make us feel safe. So <laughs> it's, that's been a, you know, a stressful element to it as well. So go into for a minute, uh, you, you were talking about, you know, business as usual, back to normal and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. I have 
seen, I've felt your tone a little different about, so you've seen a bunch of scenes come and go. You've seen genres, clubs, types of, you know, formats, frameworks of going out, club culture, nightlife culture, whatever. But I've felt your tone about the more recent changes. Like for example, your, your output article, like, what do you, do you think that right now over the last few years is, is a different striking coronavirus? You know, like say we talked about this, you know, six months ago, is it, is New York different? Is, is this shift different for New York, for nightlife, for DJ culture, whatever? What are you feeling lately compared to the other decades that you've seen change? You know, for me, it's a, you know, I get asked these things a lot because I was around for it. But it, it's like things were always changing. And I've never been one to sit around and say, oh, it was so much better back in, you know, the day. Yeah. Because it's, it's always going to change. And obviously technology and everything is, and club music being so widely accepted now as, you know, a global form of, of entertainment, where it was when I started Mud Club, Paradise Garage, these places I would go to, there was, you know, a very small group of people. And now it's a huge group of people that want to go out. I mean, there were always people, like New York clubs were packed seven days a week back in, like the Palladium, Limelight, these places were open six or seven days a week. Right. And Pat, I, I, I'm 35, <laughs> I had the end of that. I had, like, yeah. like, there was, I had a, I had a couple years where I was DJing, I was booked. You know, I, I had years of going out as a kid, but I had, I had my years of DJing, like, like a little bit, not that long, of, of my Tuesday night residency, my Wednesday night was awesome. You know, like I still, I had the end of that. So, you know, there was a, sh a change in DJ culture from clubs to DJs being, you know, back in like days of area, like it wasn't the DJ, like people weren't coming to see Justin Strauss or whoever. They were going to the club. They were going to Dance Interior. They were going to Limelight area. It didn't matter who was playing because it was going to be, you were going to see your friends. It was going to be good. Mm -hmm. And oh, cool, Justin's playing. No wonder, you know, whatever. And now it's focused on going to see a DJ and that's the night and like that's the whole focus um so that's the big that to me is the biggest change and you know the the spectacle of a dj on stage that's was a big you know the focus on like when you went to the garage or anything, like the dj booth was pretty like it wasn't the focus yeah it was up in the skin you know, like you didn't, you didn't see it and the limelight you were like four stories up and you know it was right. like it was no in one, a whole it'd be like so that's the biggest change where it's become like, I didn't start out like wanting to be a DJ. It just naturally happened because I had a lot of records and I, it just happened. It wasn't like, I'm going to grow up and be a DJ, which is what it's become. There's schools for it. Right. Like, like you can't like, so like clubs like Output, which when it's first came around was like, wow, like someone really cares about a sound system again. Yeah. Like, because that wasn't happening for a while. It became like, you know, about the, more about the, the lighting fixtures and things than it did about the sound, which is basically all I need in a club 
is a really good sound system and I've yeah. got my so it was like really great to play there and really great to feel like you're working in a place where they really care about this stuff. And that, that, you know, and obviously it became the, you know, which was a great thing because then all the other clubs had to jump on that. Cause there was, there, a there was that era where just every club had to say they had a function one. If they didn't, was, they didn't count. <laughs> There's a standard set now. It's uh -huh. like, you can't open a club with some, crappy sound system because yeah. you know most djs would rather go play at output or we're right. you know whatever club had the best so that was a great thing and you know outputs was great there were so many great nights there i mean yeah. you know again it got you know what people say commercial they had to start booking you know bigger and big name djs to fill it and, and and pay the bills so it's a you know a fine balancing act for them because they lost a lot of credit like street cred maybe because they you know would book a dj that wasn't you know thought of as underground or whatever but yeah you know the way i always felt i never like with output i was never I, I i never felt a hit to their for me personally i never like thought less of them street cred wise i was i was aware of why they're doing this the only thing was what did shift was it became less fun to go like i would go and and in the crowd it would be a bunch of t-shirt bros you know and like i didn't enjoy that and and i i loved it so much i loved output i loved the guys behind it uh the whole family and there were still those select nights that were just perfect but like it That's stopped funny. being a cool thing to just like go on a regular night because most of the time, if I brought girls with me, they'd get hassled, and it was it became you know less fun. When I started going out to all these clubs, like every, everyone in the club was some kind of freak because that's mm. who went out to clubs, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's who cared about this music. And so when it became, you know, very white and bro and ticket culture, <laughs> Ellie Ellie described it as ticket culture. You know, and, and, you know, coming after the bottle service thing, which mm -hmm. brought a lot of that about. Um, yeah, it was disturbing because people weren't even dancing. And no. like, they were sitting there or watching the DJ and I'm like, nothing's going to happen, dude. Like, <laughs> like they stand right in front of you and like yeah. their arms folded and like looking at, you know, trying to figure out what you're playing or I'm like, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. It's not. It's not what I, how I think a club should be like, it should be, you shouldn't even be thinking of it. You should be listening to the music. Yeah. And you know, it's cool to look Being up. with I the mean, people that you're with, you know, we're, yeah. we're the DJ is, is providing a service for you to go have a good time and with the people that you're with, you know, or new people. So a lot of, you know, people who were part of the underground scene who helped build this New York scene are like, feel like, a, you know, sort of our culture, this culture was hijacked by this other group who came in and like, yeah, we like dance music now. And so we're going to All gonna of a like, sudden for $35, they could just obtain equal right? access. Yeah. You know, and to me, a good club was a mix of some of those people mixed in with the craziest people that you've ever seen. In a, and it was a, always a balance. You know, there'd be mm -hmm. some celebrities, there'd be some street kid, there'd be those were the best parties and when you just walk into a room of, of 
that thing, it's just alien. And I don't, you know, but it's, it is what it is. And the cool people hopefully, you know, will start doing something new that they don't know about. <laughs> Perhaps this could be a, this could be a, um, a foil, you know, this could be a, a, a corrective because now like, you know, scene culture used to happen because everyone heard about, it wasn't exclusivity. That's what, that's what bottle service really messed up about like New York city culture. New York city was never about exclusivity. It was about, and, and I think, you know, correct me anywhere, but I think you would attest to this even with more evidence than I could produce, but it was about, you hear about it for a reason. You're spending your day doing a certain thing and you hear about the party because you did this or you know that person. And it's not about who, someone deciding that this person's better than that person or whatever, but it's just, there's a natural order to it. It's organic. You know, uh, we were talking about Plant Bar last night. It's like the people who show up to Plant Bar are there. It's not because someone sat in a room and made a guest list or something. No, it's just like people heard about it for reasons. And Perhaps with, you know, the virus now, maybe we have to go backwards a little bit, you know, inward and quiet. And we have to like, you know, we can't just put on Eventbrite or Facebook, like anyone can come because, because yo, like we can't trust that, you know, we don't know if that's going to be okay. And then also like, we don't know, you know, we can no longer sell 600 tickets. So, you know, you won't necessarily get the people in that you care about getting in. So I don't know, maybe like tight niche scene culture could I mean, maybe come back. That will be one good thing that comes out of it is smaller parties with, you know, like-minded people. And when you went to a mud club or area on any given night, you basically be bumping into your friends. Yeah. And that was cool. You didn't have to like, there was no cell phone. So you weren't like, you just, yeah, you show, just show up. up. Yeah, like you would be, you'd they'd be there, and yeah. it was like just this in the air, and like there were like doormen at these clubs, like from Studio Fifty Four to Area to Mud Club, they all had a doorman yeah. who, you know, had they were like sort of like an extension of of you know they were as important as the DJ in a way because they mixed the party, they Absolutely. said who's coming in, and so they could look at someone and no, no, this is not the right person. And, you know, maybe that sounds very elitist and very, you know, elitist basically. And it was, it was, but it was. It's a different kind of elitism than people understand it to be. I think but it wasn't people, like, yeah. for the ulterior motive. Yeah, it wasn't because of an economic st right. status or like, it was just like, no, you're not cool you know you would not enjoy this party this is not for you don't come here this is not for everyone exactly and then you know there was a i think it was andrew weatherall had a had a has, had a radio show on nts called music's not for everyone and okay. you know and it's just like maybe you're not going to get this yeah and like, you're going to come up to the dj and ask for a stupid request because you know that's maybe that's who you are and like right. i don't know I'm not for like, and then, you know, that's, or maybe they would get in and, and maybe leave with a, an open mind, like with a different perspective. Like, wow, that was cool. But some of like, those people are going to get in. They just shouldn't be the majority. Yeah. I mean, I think and they shouldn't get per, they shouldn't get priority over the people who are dedicated, you know, year round to forming this 
culture. Yeah, I mean, there's some great stories in the Mud Club book by Richard Bach about, you know, I forget who it was, some like big celebrities that would show up assuming they're going to get in the club. <laughs> and they were just like, told no, not tonight. Who was the door at Mud Club? This guy, Richard Bach. That's okay. And what he was he like? Book. He's still around. He's great. Okay. Um, you know, he, he came from an art background. He was an artist. He was, you know, so he had that eye. He had that whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. that's the best doorman in New York were always sort of like that. And every club had a doorman to kind of filter things. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for like, everyone can come in. It's everyone's party. Uh -huh. And, but as I think now, as we're gonna, I think if when we go back, it's gonna be smaller parties at first. Yeah. And like, so it will have to have a filter of some sort. I stopped doing, so I got, you, you and I, you know, met, well, we knew each other through, you know, families, music industry stuff, but like, we really connected DJing. And, um, you know, I was like a DJ for hire, playing club, playing like exclusive clubs for a while. But when it was my thing, when when I got to the place where I could, you know, just get people to show up for me at a whatever place, I always thought like my way to do it was like there was never there would be a door when I would do the standard or something like that. But um, when it was Sean's party, I loved challenging myself to build something where like there was no door just whoever showed up showed up but to craft it in such a way that only the right people are going to show up only the people who are going to add to the flavor of that the energy the right bring the right energy to that room and i would do it it was about where you did it what time you know what, what time of year and, and night how you got the word out all these different things and and there was this chemistry this alchemy that you know that was my art i loved that and and I still it's not it's not like I'm done forever. I just haven't done it in a minute. But uh, you know, that's my favorite challenge is not telling anyone you're not allowed to be here, but somehow still getting all the people that I want there and having and making the room have the right energy. Huh. That's the challenge. I, mean, I love I mean, one of my favorite places in New York where I have a res residency is Good Room and they have a pretty open door policy. You know, unless, you know, they see someone coming in intoxicated or just you know they but it's pretty like you pay that you get in you pay you know it's like yeah it's all equal your problems just... you're gonna be thrown you know you're gonna be asked to leave yeah if someone like just you know bothering some someone man woman whoever you're, you're gonna be asked to leave and but you're given the opportunity to come in mm -hmm. and have a, a good time and that's the you know and it's it's I love that place. And it's, it's has, you know, no pretension. It's like, it's a dance club. And yeah. th that's what it is. You come there and you dance because there's nothing else to do really. Right. So, um, and that in the bad room, it, it's really, it's two boxes and you just dance yeah. there. You have four, four walls yeah. and you yeah. dance. They, you know, they really beat, you know, worked on the sound system and it's, it's great. And like, so yeah, there's, I don't know. There's still a lot of great. I mean, I DJ more than ever. Yeah, I know. You know, like there's not a weekend. I'm impressed. And You're DJing I'm, more than I've ever known if, you to. If if I well, I DJed a lot, but I, you know, it's if I'm not traveling, I could DJ every weekend in New York City, mm -hmm. and I love that because I don't always like to be away. I like to be home. I love New York. It's still my favorite place in the world. So, 
I'm ha I feel, again, I feel, I don't take it for granted. I feel very lucky that people want me to DJ their parties. And I love that I can DJ in New York. And, you know, I, I know Ellie feels the same. Yeah. Like, there's no, you know, I get to play a panorama bar. I get to play wherever. Like, amazing clubs all over the world. And they're incredible. But there's still this New York thing for me that is nice to have a, you know, a good room that I could play once a month and, you know, in between other places. And so, yeah, I feel super fortunate. And there's a, a real, you know, the sad thing is that there's so much happening right before this, like so much going on, all these yeah. great new places opening, public records, nowadays, people who really care about stuff. Really people who are just about, doing it because they like doing it. Yeah, I mean, obviously everybody wants to make a living and wants to, you know, be able to pay their employees and yeah. pay DJs and stuff. So, but they're, you know, from the smallest clubs to really, you know, more bigger clubs, there's, there was a wide array of, I haven't seen club life in New York so vibrant in a long, long time. And that's really sad that who knows what's going to be left that after this. Because interrupted in a much, major way. Oh, you know, how are they going to pay the, how are they going to survive? Selling some t-shirts, you know, it's not going to happen. And then, you know, also I've been DJing at uh, James Murphy's new little spot called Night Moves right. once, twice a month, which is like very small and really yeah. feels like when you walk in there, you kind of know everyone mm -hmm. or, you know, somehow so everyone's connected. Yeah. And again, they don't advertise. There's no who's DJing that night. You don't, you, you can walk in, it could be James Murphy, it could be me, it could be Lloyd, Justin oh, Miller. Yeah. You know, it's just like, but it's good. No matter what night you go, it's going to be good because that's yeah. how they, so there is a return to that. And I think that's great. As you know, as well as like some, you know, a lot of bigger things. I prefer smaller things. What big to. stuff do you like? Is is there any big stuff that? I mean, this summer I'm supposed to play at Glastonbury for the. Oh New wow, York that's summer. as big as it gets. <laughs> There's a stage there called New York Downlow, which has been going on for a while, and it's supposed to be one of the best parties ever. So I was super yeah. looking forward to that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that's not happening. Twenty twenty. Uh, it'll be twenty twenty three probably. Yeah. Or 2022 i don't know i mean you know i i don't play a lot of festivals yeah but um i played a few really nice small ones and yeah i mean i'm you know i'm up for anything <laughs> but uh i mean I, like you said i'm looking forward to maybe it's a time to rebuild this from the ground up somehow in a in a way even though like good room hopefully will still be there when we go back and places like that and but we'll come back with a new yeah i mean they have backers thankfully there's a lot of independent that are just like week to week and that's it you know and i was talking to michael weiss nervous about this like that he's learned a bunch of places that he didn't even he kind of took for granted like had something behind the scenes we're literally just like you know night to night and if they had a bad night, like someone might get fired. If they had a bad week, <laughs> like that might be it. And a lot of those places, you know, it's, it's man, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, I, even if they had back, I mean, it's, they're still suffering. 
Everyone oh yeah, oh no, they st- they certainly suffer. I just mean like hopefully that allows them to just straight up like like Bossa Nova, like one of my favorite places to play in New York. That can't close. I mean, like <laughs> you know, it's it's a small operation, you yeah. know, and they have to pay months of rent without a dime of income, and like right. they were probably struggling as it was. Mm-hmm. Like most most clubs aren't making a ton of money really i mean they're getting they're they're doing they're they're just getting by mm-hmm. and you know maybe there are some i don't know but i haven't it seems like it's 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 like you said it's a, it's a night to night week to week thing for most and, yeah you know there are luck like i said the scene in new york is pretty healthy and so people were going out and that's been great so yeah it's you know we're all going to do what we can to, you know, to see, to, to help each other rebuild this thing. I think that's going to need a, a spirit. Of you should be on like a committee or something <laughs> for real. Like there's gotta be, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm sure, you know, I forget what her name is, but there was like the New York city nightlife commissioner person that got appointed. So that, I don't know if anything, is it, is it a thing? It, Did yeah. anything come of it? Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember where they were really, yeah, I remember them when the lot radio was having some problems with landlords and city people kind of getting on their case about some stuff. Mm-hmm. They were really helpful in navigating, helping them navigate through that. Because That's really they nice. have wow. access to like city council and things yeah. like that where they can. Stuff that DJs of, don't really think about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't think about it because I don't have to deal with it. I show up and I play music. Exactly, you know? yeah. Like, I don't have to deal but with Lloyd's like, would... got a whole nother... Well, Lloyd, really, you know, Lloyd, yeah. Lloyd's... Who I love. And yeah, you know, he's obviously very involved in a lot, but he's So important really, for New York City. He's not really... Yeah, that's been... Oh, let me say something about that. Because they are... <laughs> that has been one of the best things that's happened in oh, yeah. uh, years here. And has brought a community together. We're talking way. about the lot radio, which is, uh, is it 24 seven? It's 24 seven, right? No, they they oh, no? go to midnight and then they restream. They have program shows, but every day. Yeah. Seven days a week. And everyone, you know, this, my, our friend Francois, he saw this lot and had a dream, you know, and like he made it happen. And in the middle of like the most expensive real estate around in Williamsburg. Yeah, it's crazy where it is. <laughs> there's this plot and there's this, you know, shipping container with a radio station. Yeah. And it's like something that you would expect to see in like one of those, you know, like downtown Las Vegas where Tony Shea started that whole thing. But like it's in Williamsburg. <laughs> and it's got a real local focus as well as international. Yeah. And like you walk in and whoever's on before you, it's like this real family thing and they've done you know, twice a few times a year, they do like amazing, huge parties at the 4th of July parties have been, you know, legendary and their anniversary party, you know, which are fundraisers for them because they don't have any sponsorship whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They don't take a dime from anybody other than selling coffee, beer, and having these events, bigger events every now and then. And wow. it's brought, you know, you know, so it's like, it's brought everyone together. Like, and none of the DJs get paid. This is all out of love and out of love for this 
community and it's like an honor you know it's a it's a it's a it's an honor it's a it's a cool thing at this point it's like doing a an essential mix you know i look so forward to my lot radio show every month and i you know i was like okay what what am i feeling right now yeah like you know um it's really i miss being there because there there was that great vibe of people hanging out right. whoever was in or you'd go in you'd say hi even if you didn't know them and like i was been exposed to so many djs that i didn't know in the scene because they were just there and like hey you know and it's like yeah great show and like so you know it seems like that would be but you know something that seems so easy and natural but no one else thought of it really to do it here like i mean there was east village radio but it didn't have that community spirit of like that the lot has and thankfully that's still going <laughs> and yeah. you know we're not we're not doing it in the studio because it's not safe yet but we are everyone's either live streaming or sending in their mixes right. and you know that's been a great thing and, it's a great know, thing to keep going francois pauline chris are amazing people and they're so dedicated to this because they could have given up a million times because they've been through a lot of sh stuff with you know, keeping that open, as you mm -hmm. can imagine. Um, and it was amazing, because they had this church across the street that they became <laughs> friends with, right? And like the, yes. you know, the, power, the, the guys, the, the monks or whatever they were, would hang out. And it was this real, like, beautiful thing. And they would do concerts in the church, like, you know, from ambient stuff to classical, like a... For the last couple of years, New Year's Day, they do a beautiful classical music concert. I mean, it's just really well done. So, yeah, there are those things that are like, this is as good as anything that we had back in the day, if right. that's what you're looking for. <laughs> and you can find it, but you just have to know where to look. Sure. Yeah, it's there. And Beats <laughs> in Space is great. And if they still... there, do something about it. Yeah, if it's... <laughs> There's a lot of people who bitch about, oh, it's not, but they don't do anything about it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what I do about it, except I bring whatever I, I've learned over all these years of doing this shit, I just bring it with me to whatever I'm doing now. I'm not with any, like, subconsciously, it's just there. Yeah, of course. So, so what's been like, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you've been producing and releasing a lot more music than the, you know, like more lately than i don't well, know yeah, more, more original stuff i mean i've always done a lot of remixes I mean, yeah but i have a project extra credit with joe goddard and marcus marr i have ex each other with max pask i have uh i did a record under the name of trading places with moscow man and max and the golden filter so there's been a lot of releases and uh of original stuff that I'm mm -hmm. super excited about. And I've been singing on most of it. Yeah, I was going to say, and vocals, yeah. Which I haven't done since, you know, a long, long time. And that wasn't really my idea, but everybody I worked with was like, we want you to sing on this. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and I really enjoying it, like doing the music cool. and working with them and then coming up with, you know, lyric ideas and, and singing them. And it's been really fun. And like, I feel like, everything has come together again for me and you know it's like it's all come together like back wow. to where i started from as this lead singer in a band to like oh yeah deep, like 
working with like Soul Wax and like Joe Goddard and Marcus and Max and like, you know, I had partnerships before with whatever, whatever and adjusted. Like, I am so lucky. I work with the most amazing people and I get to work on amazing records. And like, I, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of momentum happening that we're going to have to kind of re kickstart again. So what are you those know, different yeah. partnerships like for you? Like, what, like, tell me about, you know, you have, that sounds like you have three or four going at once. Like, you know, is it different like influences? It. Tell me. Yeah. I mean, it's like partnership, like music partnerships are like any relationship. Probably the closest thing is like, you know, a romantic relationship because you're super, in, it's a super intimate thing. Making music with someone I think is very intimate, especially like, for me, like being, feeling comfortable, like singing again, like, and everyone I work with made me feel like so good, like, wow, that's great. And like, okay, like, I guess I can do this. Each one is different. Every, like every relationship you have has different dynamics with the people and how you do it. And like, but they're all really been, you know, I don't, there's no, there's no formula or no, we don't go in thinking, we're going to make this or we're going to make that it just happens like i'll start coming up with a baseline you know whoever is do you find yourself like being taken to different places personally with different influences like max versus you know a marcus or something like that i don't know like, yeah. like what happens to you That's, with them but luckily everyone i work with is pretty well rounded like they okay. all have all these like they're not like just doing one thing Sure. So if like whatever, like the influence could be very dark to something super poppy and the first uh, extra credit that came out was a song called Emotional Makeup, which is more on like a poppy upbeat side and the, and the, but we have some other tracks that actually with the next extra credit is going to come out on Dewey as well. And those are a bit darker. So we really, we really there's no plan it just happens it's yeah. kind of very organic it's like and that's been with all of them and that's been basically most of my relationships it's not anything like we have this great strategy about what we're going to do we just start and things happen and and influence like one of them will play some great thing and that inspires something else and it's that's really cool i mean it's I'm super, you know, and they're all super talented at what they do. So it's just like, I'm working with the best people. And yeah. like, something, even if I suck, something's going to come out. <laughs> they're going to make you know, sure it's Everyone's good. bringing something to it. And yeah. it's been really rewarding. And the response has, you know, to most, uh, to pretty much everything has been really great. And we also have been working on remixes together. And yeah, it's it's a very rewarding experience and I feel happy about it and I can't wait to get, you know, I was supposed to be in Europe in April doing a tour and, and back in the studio with Joe and Marcus and that's, you know, now put off. But, you know, there's ways to work remotely and things like sure. that. Although I always prefer to work in the same room with people than just sitting and it just yeah, feels yeah. right for me. And that's how I like to work. But yeah, so, you know, working with Dave and Steph and going to Ghent and, you know, they have the most amazing facility 
like studio and and it's a whole environment like of inspiration awesome. they, like we you know obviously we bond over music but we're both like insane collectors of stuff mm-hmm. like magazines books music records posters whatever you know so we're always constantly like you know egging each other on about that stuff like i'll send them a picture of something i found and like boom you know it starts a whole big thing so it's it's really cool when you work with people that you consider friends too and like again i i don't take any of that for granted like it was like having a record on Dewey or whatever is, is they don't do a lot. It's very select, you know, they have a very yeah. small output and like mm-hmm. to be included in that family feels really nice. And everyone awesome. on that table has been great. You know, we've played together. Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to like going back and doing another one with Max there. It's exciting. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, go ahead. No, uh, with the Robert Frost, with Casper Bjork, was that was that you? Was that him? How did that come about? Casper's another really one of these people, you know, one of the people that I've met over the years that we've become super close. Um, he was doing this album, and he had me in mind to recite the poem, and I was like, okay, that's something I haven't done. So I was in London at the time, and I was staying at Marcus Mars' house. We were working on extra credit stuff, and he has a studio there in his house and I asked him if he'd record it. So, you know, we did the, Casper sent me the track, we put it up. I did two or three readings and yeah, it sounds me. <laughs> you know, it sounds really nice. Casper's a great, you know, become a great friend. And, you know, I really respect him and be with him in Copenhagen sometimes when I go and his family. And like I said, that's been, one of the best parts about having like amazing friends all over the world. Like, Hey, I'm coming. Can I stay with you? Right. (laughs) When I'm not, you know, obviously like when you do your party, the the promoter, whoever will pay for a night or two, but if you want to stay longer, you have to kind of figure out (laughs) if it gets really expensive, then you'll come home with no money. And like, so yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate to have very lovely, generous friends all over the world that, you know, I can do things with them. Yeah, I usually go for like a month when I go to Europe to work on music and do gigs. And I really miss that, you know. I mean, like I said, I love being in New York, but it's also nice to get away and come back to it. Mm -hmm. You'll get back soon. Yeah. You feel energized, like, because of the experiences you had all over the world. And you bring that back. And it's, you know, New York's got its own energy that runs in my blood, basically. (laughs) Definitely. Keeps me like, yeah, I mean... You know, I'm up all night and, you know, New York is a city that you can be up all night and then feels yeah. normal. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I hope I look forward to, you know, getting back to some sort of, you know, where I can do my job again. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's we'll get it. there. Yeah. I mean, before I, I have to ask, because while, while we're doing this, I mean, I've been staring, if anyone's listening, you know, on audio, not video, like I'm staring at a glorious uh, collage of, of New York and just general art world, everything. Would you mind walking us through a little bit of what we're looking at, what I'm looking at? <laughs> you 
looking at some posters and some probably stacks of magazines, basically, that I've collected. I see an absolute something back there, like next to the <laughs> Warhol. <laughs> That's a, a Warhol absolute. So you know, when when they first put them up in the on the those bus stations, yeah, you know, it's huge. And yeah, somehow like I mean, I've been collecting stuff like that, and I've been lucky to have become friends with like Keith and John Michelle and even Andy. Right, Wall. I see a herring in the back. So they would give me. I would hang out with them. I would get tons of stuff, and I just I'm just like a collector. I like yeah. everything since I was like seven years old i have my whole life basically saved <laughs> so it, from magazines books records those things really inspire me like i don't know just having it around right now i need to organize it and it's like a mess but like i have a pretty amazing collection of because i was into music magazines music books fashion you know and so photographers you know we share a love of Guy Bourdin that started when i was very oh young. yeah so uh, how'd you okay get, how'd you get into how'd you get into keyboard down because i know both of us are, are really into uh, i got into it because well i well, my mom was into fashion and clothes and always got vogue magazine and i was always into magazines so i was reading her vogue magazine one day because i mean it's such, you know back then especially it was amazing you know, photographers and stuff and i came across this ad that he had been did for charles jordan shoe company he did did all their ads and I was like whoa and I had never seen the picture really affected me and I wanted to know everything about this and so I just started collecting all of the ads he did and all the French fogues that he was in and then I'd find tons more magazines like the guy was I don't know when he ever slept there's mm -hmm. such an output of work that he did and yeah his his photography really resonated with me and so I just he never put out a book in his lifetime. So every, all his work was only in magazines. Yeah. And um, I collected all the magazines and I was into magazines anyway. So, and my girlfriends were into fashion. And so, yeah, it, it, it all just, his pictures just, I didn't, no other, you know, at the time, no other photos like spoke. It's crazy how fresh his work looks today. And crazy enough, you know, I became friends with his son. <laughs> oh, right. And like I interviewed his, like I tracked down his son and like put in a request to do an interview and the people that he was kind of like, I had to go through his people that handle the keyboard and the state were like, we don't know. He's a, you know <laughs> then we met and we would just be like, hit it off like a house on fire awesome. and we'd talk all the time. And he invited me to come see his dad's archives in Paris, which is, you know, nobody goes there. It's just, yeah. and like, that was really like, wow. Like from someone who is just like 17 reading a magazine, like being so like, to actually like becoming friends with his son and then going like, how does this stuff happen? <laughs> like, you know, so there's, yeah, that's, that's the, the beauty of, of like, the, the world, I guess, the universe, that you put these things out there and like somehow it comes back to you in, in a weird way and in a, in a really positive way. Well, you hold that position for a lot of people. There's a lot of DJs that you are, you know, holy grail to, like, like just them saying like, oh, I got to go record shopping with Justin, like would be that, you know, there's a, 
that's what like I want you know I had Mike Ellie and you as like the first three I just feel like you know you are singular in in your position for not just New York City but you know because New York City is New York it's not it's not just New York It's, it's worldwide but yeah I mean your position your stories like I tried to I tried my best to not make you just tell like Ritz and, and Max's stories, like, cause you've told those a million times. I tried to get into more <laughs> stuff that you oh, maybe give a shit about. I'm not, but, you know, I'm not naive. And I know there are people that look up to me in that way. And yeah. it's humbling and very like gratifying and to be thought of like that. And people, again, it's something that means a lot to me because like I said, at the beginning of this, all that, after I'm dead and gone, all that's left is my work and what mm-hmm. I've done. And I feel like if that inspires one person to to do something good and cool. It inspires people all every day, all the time. Yeah, but I mean, you can't, I don't think about that. Like, I don't. That's fine. You just do it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. And when you get that feedback, which is something that like, I've been doing, you know, remixes and stuff since the 80s, but you didn't have that internet. Right feedback like a, you don't know who was playing your record or yeah. that meant something to somebody you knew somebody bought it you know that it was out there but now people write you and like wow you know, this mix this record this meant so much to me it means so much to me and and you have this personal contact with people who love your work and that is a gift and like it's cool you know that's that's one of the great things that's happened since i started this stuff and right you know it it was a. It, it's been a. You know, made it able for me to tell my story and people to find out what I've done and like. That's been really cool, you know. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely been telling your stories more over the last few years, which I've loved. I mean, I just love your Instagram alone. But like every time I see like a, you know, a random op-ed that you did or or a you know a piece targeted on something. I, I always I gobble those up because I know that you always have not just like information stories, but you just you always provide great context, great great texture, great perspective, and that comes from you know that's New York right there. That's that's what that's what New York is is like. It's not just a great story, but you can't. There's a je ne sais quoi to how it's told and how it's lived, and that's what's beautiful about New York City. And, and you embody that, and that's that's the greatest. That's, that's, <laughs> That's a, that's obviously one of the best compliments I can get, and I don't take it lightly. Let's put it that way. And I mean, not when I write these things that you know, and I people do respond to it, and mm-hmm. I don't think about it. Like I only can write about something I, I really care about, and mm-hmm. I only like I don't just post every day or something just to post. I do it when I really feel like I have to say something. And I just write it like it resonates. Just comes out of my head. I don't pre-write it or like yeah. make a draft. I just. But that's it's innate. It's not. It's not like you have to, you know, because you have the combination of the stories, and the that je ne sais quoi of like you've learned through your years of being in New York, how to convey this kind of thing, and it's dope. Yeah, I want and, uh, you. Yeah. You know, I can't take somebody back to the Paradise Garage or to Keith Haring's studio or to Mud Club, but I can try and make them feel what it was like, like mm-hmm. as close as it can be to, through me, 
because I was lucky enough to be there, what that felt like. And that, that is still possible to get those feelings and inspire someone to want to do something like that again. And I've seen it. I, there's so many young kids doing cool stuff, like throwing amazing parties and doing amazing art. And so- Okay, this question I have to ask, what are- that I'm who, super who are young kids throwing great parties in New York today? Oof. Um, I don't. I'm sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. I mean, I, I, de I mean, I'm so, so fortunate that I get asked to DJ these parties. Yeah. You know, there's been a lot. I, I don't really want to name. Okay. Look at places I've played. Fair, fair. They're, fair. they're like. It's so out there. Many. And there's yeah, new yeah. ones popping up all the time. Yeah. Um, in various scenes and like, you know, I, I play a wide variety of stuff and I feel that's been really cool. Like from horse meat disco to like some crazy, you know, new stuff and like, yeah. So that's, that's keeps me inspired, you know, like doing different things. Like if I did the same thing every night and I know like Ellie gets to do that, like he likes to play a hip hop party every night, you know, or like sure. whatever, you know, he and he can do it like as good as anybody mm -hmm. and like that keeps everything else inspired it's mm -hmm. it's, a, it's this cross-pollination is what new york is to me and what i like to like because back in the day we'd play everything in a night like yeah you play hip-hop you play dance hall you play the latest house you know test pressing from chicago you know and it all makes sense because right. it does <laughs> and that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's my story is like, this all makes sense somehow yeah. in my head. And I'm trying to convey that to whoever. Yeah. Listening. DJing is storytelling and the whole thing, the whole, not just the DJing, but the whole, you know, whole craft of, it, you know, it's not just playing the records, but the, all of it. And, you know, now at this, now it's like, like reading your Instagrams are part of your DJ career, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I some enjoy DJs, it. Some DJs hate it. They're like, I right. wish I didn't have to do this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, really? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. Well, because they probably don't have anything to share. You know, yeah, it's like, like well, no, I, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to say. No, that. I mean, yeah. some people don't are more. Some people just don't want to. Yeah. More private about it. They don't right. feel comfortable. And that, I totally respect that. I'll just but, say that I, I love and respect that you have the stuff to say and you say it and I enjoy reading it. And that means a lot. And I, you know. I just do what's comfortable for me. And like, I don't like, I know there's people on again, off again in social media and it, and it, and it can be really debilitating for a lot of people. Yeah. It make, it's also people feel bad about, makes other people feel bad about themselves that they're not doing enough. And there's this pressure. And I think you know, that's gonna, I think that, that fear of relevance, like it's, it's like, yeah, I've, I've fear of missing out I think is over, but it's this fear of irrelevance that is the, the disease today. We got coronavirus and we got fear of irrelevance. And I think that is what's really scary to a lot of people that if they don't do, you know, they, so they, what they do is they just, they just churn and they just make noise. They just do anything they can to make noise, to appear, to appear. <laughs> and, and that is scary. There's this feeling like, okay, I'm not out, I'm not doing my job, I gotta do something to it so people won't forget me. Yeah. And I haven't felt that pressure. I, 
because people have been asking me basically every day to do something. So I am out well, there. You're, you're popular, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm, yeah, so I'm out there doing what I would do, you know, and, but there is, yeah, it's like, if you're not, what do you do? Like, if you, no one's asking you to do a mix, you're going to like live stream from your, you know, your bedroom, which, I, yeah, I mean, and do what you can. I don't, I don't put anyone down for that. Yeah, you know, I'll try yeah I didn't get into it on this one, but I have said it. <laughs> on the other uh, I was talking to Ellie about it just like you know there's people that want the Ellie set there's people that want Justin's set but like you know if you're not one of these specific DJs that people are really you know waiting to hear from like you're just polluting the airwaves you know you're just diluting the the, the craft and the ecosystem and I challenge those people to you know, be more than like the fact that they can get booked a couple nights a week at, you know, at bars and stuff like elevate, use this time to elevate your, whatever it is, your, your, your craft, your art, you know? Yeah. I'm doing a live stream. My first real live stream. Most of the stuff I've done, I've just sent in. At yeah. a good room. It's going to be in, in the bad room. Like it'll be me and one other person there. And oh, you're going to actually go. They've been doing that. They did one. Oh, cool. Juan McLean. They did one with nice. Kim Foxman and cool. JDH from Fixed. And cool. And it sounds really good because a lot of some some of the live streams I've heard, like the audio was horrible. And oh, really? You know, it's I, just like, I I want if I did one, I want it to be right, and they got it right, so I'm doing it next Thursday. That's cool. Okay. There's a little plug. <laughs> yeah plug anything else we i mean yeah, we've, we've mentioned releases we've mentioned yeah. live stream yeah yeah i mean it, it, i'm pretty easy to find it's all out yeah. there i'm i'm you know i'm pretty uh, transparent about what i'm doing so yeah if you i'd like to see all there <laughs> one way or another love it cool man well enjoy the Hi, beach man. thank you thank and, you uh, keep new york <laughs> popping i don't know something keep, keep, yeah, keep, yeah. Keep doing what i do i i don't that's all i can do so yeah cool well, we appreciate it i'll see you soon yeah send love to the family i will you too all right man dad. thank you so much for doing this great talking how's your dad by the way uh everyone's really good everyone's okay. good they're all in connecticut and uh they are they're out of the city and they're they're fine everyone on your side good yeah imaging in la hell is okay. here Everyone's working. We'll send them my love and I'll I'll send mine. Same. Okay. Cheers, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome.